Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Think about quitting. It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off. And to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their you lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Dish out too, uh, so we can keep him scattered and not to fight too many. Um, when his is done, Bass, of course, need to run in and do the same thing. Uh, we're gonna need divine intervention on our mages, uh, so they can uh, AE, uh, so we can, of course, get them down fast because we're bringing all these guys. I mean, we'll be in trouble if we don't take them down quick. Uh, I think it's a pretty good plan, and we should be able to pull it off this time. Uh, what do you think, Abdul? Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, yeah, give me a sec. I'm coming up with 32.33, uh, repeating, of course, percentage of survival. Of course. Uh, that's, a lot better <laughs> that's what I got. Usually do. Uh, All right, Jones, I'm ready, guys. Let's or... do this. Leroy! Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Leroy! Leroy Jenkins! Jenkins! Holy my God! 
That could be <laughs> the funniest <laughs> intro that anybody has ever done for a podcast in the history of podcasts, gentlemen. And and we do huh. it in honor, honor, in honor of perhaps the most sophisticated human we've bringing on. Uh, maybe that be a stretch. He is a ranger, but a, a person <laughs> who certainly has tried to advance themselves. Right, Marcus? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leroy Jenkins got us through Ramadi. You cu- you labeled oh it. You, you you said before I did. I, 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 you I named it up. Yeah, I named it up at Leroy Jenkins. All right, walk us through that a little bit. Would That's you please? as far as I can go with it. <laughs> but it was good. And, uh, <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> but it was good. It man. was good. It was worthy of the moniker. Oh, I mean, just guys are shouting that out all the time. I mean, it should have been it. It was something, man. It, it, it couldn't have come out at a more perfect time. Well, and it came out 12 years ago. And by the way, you can, <laughs> if you're a listener, you can go to YouTube, type in Leroy Jenkins, and there are 47 million views on this clip from, what is it, from the World of Warcraft. And what you got to also do is once you listen and crack up, and if you, if, if you don't get it, well, I'm sorry, Will, and you just don't get it, but... Then go to Wikipedia. There's actually a Wikipedia (laughs) entry on this. And this is what it says. Leroy Jenkins is a character name for a player character created by Ben Schultz in Blizzard Entertainment's MMORPG World of Warcraft. The character became popular due to his role in a video, which became an internet meme. Knowledge of the video has spread beyond the game's community and into other online and mainstream media to include every special operations (laughs) or government agency in history. That chaos that that trans... fired during that was just like Ramadi. We sit there and plan it out and like, hey, what do you think our chance of survival? Probably 33 and third. That's better than we normally do. That's better than everybody else been doing. Let's do it. I mean, seriously. Oh, my God. That gave a whole new meaning to breaching. man, dude. Oh, epic. Did anybody, did you guys know anybody who had a call sign, Leroy Jenkins? Or Jenkins or anything? Not a call sign. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, we were right down the road when they were in Ramadi, and we were doing the same, I mean, it was the same thing. Sure, it was a phenomenon. It is a phenomenon. Uh, it was a phenomenon. The first time I heard it, I was in Afghanistan with the agency in 2010, and somebody was playing. It had it on a ringer tone, a ringtone on their phone. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And they're like, dude, dude, you don't, you don't know what Leroy Jenkins is? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you sure you were in the SEAL teams? And I was like. I, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, right. I, I'm sorry. I That's don't the play. actual proof I mean, right there. It's a perfect yeah. analogy. Because, I mean, just we're so sophisticated, right? We're playing everything out just like it is. And you got, we got that one cowboy ride. Just all right, let's do this. And blows. <laughs> it's usually when the charge doesn't go. What do we do now? Oh, I got this, Leroy. I mean, <laughs> That's just a, you know, about, yeah. and everybody controlled chaos. <laughs> you got guys. Mr. Se- Mr. Secondary Breach Points, yeah. way too oh. excited. Then <laughs> you get back and you're like a duck on a pond, right? I mean, oh, that was smooth. No, it wasn't. Man, Leroy came blazing through there and <laughs> took them all down. Oh, God, <laughs> I love apart. it. Now, what's, what's going to be funny is, is when, we, when we actually bring our very esteemed, uh, astute guest on, Mr. Leo Jenkins, which is actually his name, uh, from the Ranger Battalion, 
uh, to see just how many times he's had to endure that joke, right? It's almost <laughs> like, uh, like uh, I don't know, if, if you're short, the short jokes, or if you, you know, whatever you have to endure. No, no, he can get away with introducing himself last name first. Leo Jenkins. Because he's out, he's out now, and he's sophisticated, so it's Leo. Yeah, it's Leo. And Leo, not Leo. Leroy. 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 Straight up Leroy. Yeah. <laughs> man, your name's Leroy. Don't lie. Oh, I love it, man. I love it, dude. Oh, good God. Well, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. If this is uh, your first go with us, Holy cow, we got one in store for you today, man. Oh, yeah. it's, it's to the point where if you, you're in a spot where you, you, you definitely need the motivation, right? Down on the bottom of that bench, it's about to get crushed, or you got to leave. Best would be a job interview right before you go in for outside the dude's door. You got a suit and tie on. It's all you're sophisticated. Like, you're sweating. You're like, come on, I need some power, power, power. Leroy! And just scream that. And hopefully the dude behind the door will hear it. And he's like, oh, hired, you're hired. 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 <laughs> Channel Leroy Jenkins, man. Oh, God. So good. I wonder how many tattoos. You know, uh, that's I how- hope the guy made some money off of that. You oh, he made I mean? T-shirts. He made everything. Yeah, I hope so. Well, and dude, if you want to see the guy, he's if you go to that Wikipedia page, there's a picture of him speaking, actually giving a speech at some gaming, uh, uh, I don't know, symposium or something, whatever. I don't know, <laughs> gaming symposium, <laughs> yeah. wherever they do such things. Yeah, I don't they know. do them all over the world, dude. Dude, you, I man. just saw what? What's the story? They're, that biggest gamer out there makes. What makes like fifty million dollars a year or something like that? Is it that much? Yeah, it's it's oh sure, I'm, it's I'm insane. Paid. Yeah, I mean, gonna, those kids get good at it now. It's uh, they coach it. You, you get paid. You, you get, get paid, paid to, to coach. coach, man. That's why they. You can get online and see all the videos. Ax and I are playing games sometimes. And you can find every one of them, every clip, and the the Easter eggs, yeah, yeah. all that in there. Everything's it's it's the biggest form of entertainment in the world. La- I mean, I'm aware of that. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know how I feel about it. We, dude, we ought to do a TNQP game, right? <laughs> like, they call, guests come on. No? Is that my stretching it there? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, along with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and, and. Paddles, Marcus. There's something oh, going on over the there. wizard, baby. <laughs> Dude, I think I hurt Seamless. myself on that one. Did you have a hernia? I think I just pulled a ball. Did you? Oh, did God. your intestine come through your oh, abdominal wall? Oh, my wall? God. That's horrible. That does not feel good. <laughs> worth right. it, though. Worth it. Well worth totally. it. Totally. Welcome to the show. If you're just coming. A flush wound. <laughs> if, uh, if you you're... get to the age where you sit on them. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Oh, if you're coming back for more, we absolutely love you. You are the Leo Jenkins of our world, all right? Or Leroy Jenkins. Sorry, Leo. Uh, He doesn't even know us yet. He could hate us. He could literally be like, why the hell did I do this? I doubt it, though. We're having a good time. It's for the listeners. It's for the listeners. Thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. Without you, 
we would not be able to do this. Uh, man, we're what number are we on, Wizard? Hundred and ten. Uh, somewhere on eight million, I believe. Eight million downloads on our hundred and tenth or so show. Marcus. Oh, that's amazing. Is that crazy, dude? Well, thank y'all so much. Yeah, thank you all so much. If you want to know more about what it is we do, go to our website. That's tnqpodcast.com, tnqpodcast.com, and you can see why we do it, our mission. You can download all the shows, right? You can download every show we have. You can you can, uh, uh, and if you also, there are other places, tons of other places. There's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, go to podcasts, just search, type in team. We should be the first one that pops up. Uh, CastBox, we're streaming on Spotify, Stitcher, all other podcast platforms on all phones, on computers. All right. Now, listen, if you also want to follow us, you can follow us all on social media. Just check out Instagram. You can follow the Team Never Quit at Team Never Quit, Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, the Wizard at the Wizard TNQ, and me at Team Frog Logic. All right, Wizard, why Sir. don't you give us a little rundown on Mister Sir Leo Jenkins? Because I, I'm telling you, my bet is uh-huh. we come back to to Leo in 15 years, and he's competing with Sir Robert Young Pelton. Now that is that's a lofty. I'm uh, telling you, that's up there. I'm telling you, I believe it in my heart. He's done some cool, cool stuff. Yes, he is. He is one of the more unique and interesting cats we've ever had on this show. Um, short. He's a former Army Army Ranger medic. He's a nomadic homeless veteran, an artist, an author of multiple commercially successful books. He's a competitive Ironman triathlete, CrossFit triathlete. He's a published poet. He, well, at least was a dweller of a maroon Dodge van named Falcor for a period of time. Epic. He's a skilled combat medic who donates his time and knowledge towards teaching medicine uh, to locals in high-risk locations around the world with an organization called Team 5. Um, just a super, inter- super, super interesting guy. Father. Husband. He's bad. I cannot wait for this guy. So, it's it's almost impossible to give a full overview of who he is, but at least we can go over a few points here. In the military, well, prior to that, he started out as a firefighter where he earned his EMT and working in Arizona, and then decides to enlist in the Army. He goes to Ranger School, does all the, the different uh, Army medical courses there, uh, does three combat deployments as a platoon medic for 3rd Ranger Bat, was actually involved at one point in uh, in the, the recovery effort for Operation Red Wings. <laughs> Love you, Mark. Which is Love you. Thank you. Thanks for that. It's very close uh, to home. Ahead of the show, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. Appreciate that one. Post-military, he gets out, starts working with uh, a DA FAST team in Afghanistan, um, teaching tactical trauma um, management training to the Afghan... Uh, interdiction unit. Counter drug. I taught those guys. I yeah, was you were. Fir- I was one of the first guys on that program. Yeah, you were doing some of that too. Yeah, right? awesome man. Stopping drug uh, flow in Afghanistan. <laughs> it's 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 like stopping drug flow out of Colombia. We've done a great job with it. Yeah, a lot of success with that. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, 
he starts writing books, okay? And he has, to this point, written six books, actually five and one uh, book of poetry. But Don't forget the poetry, wizard. He starts do, out... Do not forget the poetry! <laughs> no, no, I would not dare. Thank you. 2014, he writes his first book called Violence of Action, Untold Stories of the 75th Ranger Regiment in the War on Terror. Goes on to write On Assimilation, uh, another book called First Train Out of Denver, and, and there's, there's more. Um, a lot of success with those as well. Um, you know, touched on before being, you know, he did a lot of traveling, kind of took on a nomadic lifestyle. Uh, I imagine a lot of this helped him, re- you know, recover and as the book on assimilation, assimilate back into society. He also contributes to the Loadout Room and Havoc Journal. Currently lives in Southern Baja with his wife and baby. And more than we can even just summarize right here. Dude, really. I am so fired up for this one. I can't even tell you. I'm I'm literally gonna I'm gonna scream it. Are you ready? Are you ready, Marcus? No, Are you ready, just Wizard? Don't break the equipment. I'm gonna I, Leroy Jenkins. Okay. Marcus. You know how fired up I get when we bring one of our own on the show, right? Mm-hmm. One of our own from the Brotherhood and all that. But you know what I don't, we don't often do, which now has me even more fired up than that, is we're bringing one of our own from the dark arts of the medicine, right? The, the 18 Delta brothers. <laughs> the Deltas. The, the Deltas that we climb into the orifices of life. We, we dig around for the, the, the taste of that bone marrow of life. We're our own bastards. We are our own bastard children. That is the perfect description. And I think we're bringing on one of the biggest bastards of them all. No offense, Leo. One of the biggest bastards of them all. A person who not only has had his hands in the muck overseas, but had his hands in the muck in the most remote places in the world, working for Team 5 Foundation and Combat Flip-Flops and all those amazing organizations. But now he's got his hands deep deep inside the pros of life so buddy i am fired up what do you say what do you say dude Stood. all right ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages welcome to the team never quit podcast mr leo jenkins thanks guys <laughs> i'm proud to be, i'm proud to be one of the bastards <laughs> that was genius i it's thought I, i've never your least... name is genius <laughs> tell me tell me that you you were over when that came out right it was oh six yeah. right oh five it was oh six oh late oh five early oh six oh. we were actually on our iraq deployment me too I, yeah so i got i got in the habit of uh, going into uh, rooms on my own and guys in the platoon were like first of all stop doc you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be trying to, you know, be right. But then, of course, that hit, and then it was like Leroy Jenkins, and I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it ever since. No, bro. Oh I, my god! I wrote up ops. I named our operations Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> you could hear guys screaming, that, uh, uh, "You know, America!" That yeah, one, and, yeah. and, and, and then your Leroy Jenkins. I mean, all through the house, even the. 
in Ramadi, man, even if they didn't speak English, they knew when Leroy Jenkins was coming through the door, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, guys are screaming before we blow the door. Oh, my, I got to tell you how difficult it was not to scream that in, in your intro. Uh, but I figured you probably heard it 10,000 times. Like once or twice. <laughs> Ugh, oh, it's so epic, man. <laughs> well, take- I had the biggest grin on my face when I saw that. I was like, are you, is that a joke? Are you kidding me, man? He, <laughs> he does exist. And you should tell people that's you on that game. <laughs> but it, it was that and then Dick in a Box. Oh, my God. Uh, There's a couple of them, right? But oh, dude, yeah. Leroy Jenkins, man. Uh. Richard Box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, before we get started, I, I just, you know, I want to say thank you so much for, I, I love the fact that you're coming to us live from Baja, Mexico, uh, in the, your picturesque, lovely home that I was uh, always uh, very envious, respectfully envious of, of your lifestyle. And thank you for taking the time out of your beautiful Saturday and your family. Um, so we appreciate you coming on, Leo. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. All right. All right. Before we get into the nitty gritty of this whole thing, we first got to get warmed up. We got to get, we got to stretch out that precognition, right? And we got to develop a little rapport, although bastards have a tendency to stick together, right? Right. Absolutely. So, what we're going to do is we're going to run you. Is that a pipe? Did I just see a Uh, pipe? It's my chicken pipe. We're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to get into the the cognitive thing, we got to. He's lighting a pipe. Really oh my god. I dude, have have you seen the guy that is beautiful by the way? And he's got his writer's cap. Oh, dude, I I think he blows Hemingway away, bro. On this one, man. Gotta get him the uh what's the sweater? The uh the car is a cardigan? No, it's the no. Irish sweater. <laughs> <you know? Yes. laughs> I I picked up I <laughs> being a jerk, I picked up a, a coat that had the uh that's got oh, the, yeah, uh, the patches. <laughs> Passes on the just for the last signing that I did. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> so be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and then you wear the ascot with it. Too. <laughs> I love them, dude. All right, that's gonna all be right. fun. Before we get to the nitty gritty, we got to do what's called the Mad Minute. Now, Leo, I, I know you've gone through uh, uh, tons of interviews. You've done a lot of press with all your the things you've done in your life, but. But now we're going to fire the most difficult questions you've ever been asked. Are you ready? I'm uh, as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Marcus, fire away. Favorite superhero? <laughs> My dad. Your dad? Bruce Jenkins, man. Guy worked two jobs to support three kids by himself. That guy's a superhero to me. Mm-hmm. He yeah, named you gonna... Leroy. So if... <laughs> well, what was his name again? Bruce. Uh, Bruce. Dang. Bruce Jenkins. Yeah, he was the, he was not even the OG. My grandfather's the original Leroy Jenkins. Uh, I'm actually the third in the series uh, of the trilogy, as you will. Uh, but yeah, man, the guy worked 30, put 30 years on uh, in the fire department, captain, paramedic, and worked uh, as a full-time flight medic on top of it to support myself and, and uh, my two sisters raised us. And that guy's a superhero, 110%. Right you on, know what? Right uh, you're the you're the. Is he the first one mm-hmm, to say yeah. it? Is it Wizard? Is he the first one to say his dad? I think we have one more, but that's yes, it. I think, dude, that yes. is the coolest ever, man. I mean, that's that's genius, man. Is he is he still with us? Is he still? Yeah, 
Yeah, he just retired. He uh, he just retired last year, thirty years on Peoria Fire Department, um, and now he's 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 living it. He he's all stoked. He bought a tractor for his retirement. He's got a ranch in in Arizona, and uh, you know he's doing his thing. I'm, I try as much as I can. I built him a guest bedroom uh, here at my place in Baja, trying to get him to come down as much as possible and enjoy his retirement. So he's he's living it. Well, let's give a shout-out to Bruce, man. Absolutely. Booyah, Bruce. Well hey, my done. brother, man, That was every time we talk about wanting to get out, he's like, just be a hay farmer. That's what I, hey, I got out, I got a tractor, some land to cut. That's it. Dude, your brother's full of shit, man. He's a cognitive neuroscientist. There's no way he's going to be a hay farmer. Yeah. And now he currently works for the Secretary of Energy. <laughs> That's a bunch of load of malarkey. I can see you, maybe, but certainly not Morgan. Oh, I'm definitely out here cutting every day. <laughs> All right, wizard. All right, you, sir, are a writer and quite a prolific one at that. Can you give us two or three books? Give us a book. Give us some book recommendations and why. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the Beat Generation. Um, Jack uh-huh. Kerouac on the road, um, uh-huh. no doubt played quite a quite a has had quite an influence on me. Um, and then I'm also kind of a nerd when it comes to philosophy. Um, John Stuart Mill, uh, yeah, anything man. on liberty, utilitarianism. Um, ranks up there, I think, with uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Um, as far as a good old-fashioned, just fast-moving prose, though, uh, you know, I've Jack Kerouac, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? Uh, uh, some of the stuff we probably read in high school. To go back and reread it as an adult, you pick up on quite a few of the nuances uh, in, in that text. Uh, mm. uh, books like The Great Gatsby, right? Um, yeah. Hey, they may not remember what you said, but they'll definitely remember how you made them feel. Yeah, yeah, right. That's Scott uh, Fitzgerald. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, man, the first time I ever read Naked Lunch, it literally blew my mind. Uh, is, it's right behind you, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a uh, Naked Lunch. William S. Burroughs right there. Oh, yeah. my God. When I, I like, because that's what was for me was I got hooked on On the Road too when I was a freshman in college. And, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're reading Ginsburg, you're reading. All of, and then you hit naked lunch, and you're like, "Whoa, put the brakes on, dude! Holy, something happened here. <laughs> something happened here." <laughs> Jack Kerouac actually named that book uh, through correspondence back and forth. He, uh, you know, he had. There's this is an interesting thing with creatives, right? They kind of find their circles and they yep. play off of one another. And uh, in that generation, you know, you did, you had, you had uh, Alan Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, William S. Burroughs, but they were all very much feeding off of one another uh, and, and, and kind of doing their own thing with it, right? You know, Ginsberg much more of a poet, uh, Kerouac much more of the prose, and Burroughs just out in his own. In uh, his, his own, own stratosphere. You know, but, you know, they were, they were feeding off of one another's creatives um, and, and building that up and, and using it to define their generation. I, Collaboration. And it really, the essence of all growth within art exists in that collaboration. That's why I love to see what we have going on, and we can talk more about this later on and why you write and all this, but you see all the different groups working together. You see, you know, uh, Matt and Evan and JT and and you and Griff, and you see Nick and, and, and everybody and Jack Mandeville and all these people were all kind of interconnected in this growth of content in the delivery of our message from what we've learned in our in these incredible experiences and i think we're in that type of revolution right now absolutely absolutely yeah all right to to just go one more on that that concept of the best book 
Give, give me uh, just a couple. What your favorite poets, Sue? Uh, I've always uh, I've had a place in my heart for Tupac. <laughs> well, I got him all over my playlist. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, he's definitely I would have to say one of the more influential poets, good, bad, or otherwise, of our generation. Um, you know where he came from and what he did with it. Uh, um, you know. Uh, it's definitely. I, I I look at poetry from a little bit more of a musical sense, predominantly. Right. Um, you know, you have the classic poets, uh, especially the classic American poets, Edgar Allan Poe, obviously, and 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 uh, some of his predecessors, um, uh, Emerson. Um, but uh, I really relate with music, and a lot of I think the greatest poets of our time are musicians. They're yeah. they're singer songwriters, and they've created. You know. We live in a very fast-paced uh, uh, world, and it gets faster and faster every day. And here is an adaptation of uh, of a mode of delivery, right? Uh, um, of taking a poem and and making it into music so that it's relatable to people, and so that it's it's spread further. Uh, and and uh, you know, using that medium. So I really think that most of my favorite poets these days are singer songwriters. That's awesome. That's because awesome. Starting <laughs> off, back, even singing was just poetry, right? That we get up and just. Speak it, yeah. right. chug it out, and then eventually it rolled into the Absolutely. lyrical poet. Yeah. All right, Marcus, fire away, bud. Is it my turn again? It is, bud. All right, what was the first thing you thought about when you woke up this morning? Your first thought. Great question, dude. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what coffee. kind of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been, I've been pestering. I got uh, my black rifle mug here. I've been pestering dude, those dude, guys. Hey, uh, oh, I was like, wait a minute, Wizard's got that same. <laughs> yeah, it's black, <laughs> black rifle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. To try to get shipments down here to Mexico, uh, it's uh, slow, but I know that they're going to do it. Um, it's tough to come by around these parts. I've what? got to illegally yeah, ship I back and smuggle it. I got to smuggle my black rifle coffee beans. My. Uh, my, my carry on. <laughs> you know what? We ought to get Evan on the horn right now and say, "Hey, get off your ass, man!" That's your problem. You know is. what are you doing? Your international distribution. Come <laughs> on, guys. Got fans, got fans in other places. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? That could be for you, bud. We could. He could go put one of the roasters in your backyard, and you could be the Central South America distribute. I could be the commercial. Yeah, right. <laughs> the business center oh, for south awesome. of the border. All right, All right. hey, when, uh, when the zombie apocalypse hits, that's a <laughs> if, not a when. What are your top three indispensable pieces of kit? Like I can choose from anything? Anything. Most indispensable pieces of kit, anything. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, I would say first and foremost, not because it's practical in any way, shape, or form, but a flamethrower, just because who doesn't <laughs> want to see zombies? <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> Great place to start. Flamethrower. Uh, I would then say a water filter, uh, water filtration system, um, <laughs> and uh, something to light fires with. Yeah, food, so, fire, so. water. That's the first thing yeah, yeah. that too, right? Well, you food got the flamethrower. So I don't really need a fucking lighter, do I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you might want to pick another piece of kit. You know I'm going to choose a water filtration system, a flamethrower, and uh, I'll give the other one away because I really feel like I only need two. <laughs> I love it. I always wanted to do that. Have one uh, when someone's leaning in with the lighter, trying to light it. You just, all of a sudden, you're back about like thirty feet and send that flame douche right in there. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> At that point, I mean, you can hunt. You can hunt and cook game all in one shot. 
It, yeah. And it's about uh, it's it's about management of time, you know, in the, yeah. at the end yeah. of the world. You don't have a lot of time when there's zombies running around. No, you don't. You, you don't. Be all right. Yeah, Here you go. Flamethrower does it all, man. Takes it down, cleans it, cooks it. It's it pretty burn. awesome. <laughs> I, when did they get rid of that? When did we get rid of the throwers? Uh, world War Korea. II? Korea. Yeah, no, Korea. they had them in Vietnam. They I tried. Them, they did yeah. have them in Vietnam. Yeah, they had them in Vietnam. Na- yeah, Isn't there something in the Geneva Conventions about not using flamethrowers yeah, on human that's beings? I was wondering though. when it stopped because we didn't have it. It doesn't <laughs> say anything about zombies in the Geneva Convention. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. I am, I am in no way arguing with your excellent choice. Uh, <laughs> All that gear has to be predicated on about uh, what the enemy, the right? There's got to be a little caveat section on the book over there. If they are. If they are enemy combatants, turn zombies. <laughs> Flamethrowers are good. <laughs> Bring the throwers back. <laughs> Does it negate the Geneva Convention if they if they're the Walking Dead and still in uniform? Well, that that would take NCIS would have to write up a whole new brief for us before we go into battle, right? That would that would lengthen our rules of con, our rules of engagement brief by like two hours. Right. Who's like, right, who's the flamethrower right here? <laughs> Minimum of three minutes on. Do not spend more than three minutes on one person with that damn flamethrower. Okay? Unless we have unless, a separate PowerPoint just for you following unless, this brief. Unless they have morphed into, they've metamorphosized into a zombie apocalypse killer. Oh God! This is what happens, by the way, on our show. It, it starts making it's zero sense. That's <laughs> why it's taped. All right, here you go. If you could name off. Your bucket list wave where you could go, and I love the video that you did where you did the 22 waves a day, by the way. That was the most genius evalu- uh, evolution of that challenge I've ever seen. What is your bucket list wave to ride into eternity? Wow, that's a heavy question. I think that I mean that way where I did that was in Pavona. Uh, uh, used to be the lo- considered the longest left in the world um, anymore. I, I I mean I hate to sound cheesy with it, but um, my 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 daughter is uh, getting uh, older now. I say older a year and a half. Um, <laughs> we've got her on a boogie board, and she's been slaying waves on her belly uh, from 16 months up. And uh, I honestly I would say any wave that I can surf with her. Amen. Uh, anymore it's not really about the size or the scale of it uh it's just being able to enjoy that experience with my daughter and being able to do that all over the world i'm i'm very much looking forward to that we have a couple trips in mind i i'm personally i'm i haven't been to indonesia yet um and i'm i'm looking forward to uh, here in the next year and a half to two years being able to go to indo uh with my daughter and 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 catch some waves uh just one after another after another after another after another so that's that mm. is an incredible, incredible comment, man. I, my my two daughters surf. My girlfriend's two daughters. I'm teaching them to surf now. And yeah, you're, I got that too. This, yeah, so. you're hundred percent right, man. Anywhere that you're watching that stoke happen is yeah. the greatest wave in the world. All right, Marcus. All right, brother. If you could join the circus, what would you do? That's a sick question. Uh, probably flying trapeze. Man, I'll try to be a big good one too, man. I was thinking about that. Oh, I want to do the clown shit, man. I don't know, Jen. You <laughs> Wasn't that so one obvious? Clowns they can put in that little car. It's amazing, dude. Twenty nine. Yeah, I'm the, not claustrophobic, but that 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 would bug me, man. man. It's just like yeah. Sears school. Let me yeah, let me be free flipping around yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, each one, uh, each one of those clowns, their, ma- their makeup is their own yeah, design. Yeah, their own uh, kind, yeah. Cool and, and a lot of them will have a legacy or lineage yeah, yeah. to the old Barnum-Bailey clowns that have become historical. Yeah, and patent, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah their, dude, it's sick, man. What a shit show it is they canceled that, man. I'm upset, man. <laughs> well, it's because of the animals, right? Yeah, they got they, they, the abuse on the animals. All right, last yeah. question, Wizard Fireway. All right, if you, if you could possess someone else's body for one month, completely anonymously... <laughs> Who would it be? Uh, why and what would you do? Uh, Maynard James Keenan. Um, Maynard James Keenan is if, uh, is the uh, front man for three different bands, right? Cool, a perfect circle. Right. And, uh, he also uh, owns and runs a winery in Jerome, Arizona, of all places. I read uh, that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so he's a he's this he's a hyper creative, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've I've. It would just be interesting to see how much stuff that guy gets done in any given day and in all of these different avenues um, all at once. Um, yeah, I would, I would. I mean, just if I could tag along with that guy for a day, if I possess his body and, you know, be able to write some songs and go up on stage and sing them. I've got a little bit of a, um, I wouldn't say necessarily rock star envy, but I've always wanted to be that guy on tour and a band and, and going mm-hmm. and, and being able to kind of be back behind the lights, it's one of the things I've always admired about Maynard is he usually, you know, he's a front man of these bands, but he doesn't get right up in front. He usually put, positions himself kind of in the back corner and allows uh, all of the pieces of the music to all flow together and, and, and go out into the audience. And, um, yeah, it's just the idea of being able to be out there on tour um, and, you know, kind of living that lifestyle, but then also all of the different things that he's creating at any given time. It's inspiring to me. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take Maynard. Another epic, epic answer. Marcus, I want, I'd you possess go. you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you do, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> it does have its moments. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be screaming. You'd see me behind his eyeballs. Let me out. Right? Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, if you right. really knew what was creeped up in there, you'd be like, never mind. Yeah, I'd, I'd be like, let me out, please, let me out. But, but you right. trained me for all this. So, no, I mean. <laughs> no, no. I trained you to be insane, and I don't want to be insane anymore. All right. Well, Good Leo, luck. that is the mad, what yeah, are we at, that was fun. wizard? Uh, that was 14 minutes and 71 seconds, or Four- 15 minutes and 11 seconds. Why do you do that? You always confuse me with the math. Just for clarity. Shit, I like to All be right. specific. Well, that's the mad Brazilian minutes. We really appreciate it. All right. The reason, though, that people we believe are coming to our show is not for the, uh, re- <laughs> the consistent Three. stupidity that we <laughs> Not for <laughs> not for uh, the coherence. Yeah, of right. Right. Not for the coherent pontification. Uh, <laughs> it's it's for it's for for our guests and and we believe there are, are an incredible amount of people in this world that are suffering. We believe that uh, the greatest way to connect with other human beings is by sharing in our collective pain, our insight, our our uh, understanding by mentoring and coaching and and having empathy for one another and the struggles that we all face. And that's why we do this, to try and provide our listeners with some 
really profound insight from some incredible people. So, Leo, if you would, please share with our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories. Um, it's, it, it's tough, right? Um, you know, I really think that not quitting, um, not giving up is you build up to it, right? Uh, there's uh, similar in, in any kind of sport, right? There's specific adaptations to impose demands, right? So not quitting when you're in high school wrestling, right? Um, leads to the ability to not quit when you're going through, you know, buds or in, in ranger and dock or these things. And it's, it's a buildup, right? And, and we, we kind of are perpetually building up the strength to be able to shoulder um, more of an arduous task. Um, and, uh, you know, we we're talking about that, uh, Iraq in 2006, Marcus and I were both there at the same time. Um, that was my third deployment as a ranger. Uh, I sustained an injury that took me out of the fight. Uh, I was very big into, uh, weightlifting at that time, uh, just physical fitness in general, uh, you know, as you know, guys in the teams and in mm-hmm. battalion and group are, uh, and that injury kept me from being able to, to lift. And more importantly, Got, it pulled me out of the fight. I was a platoon medic. I was responsible for the health and well-being of, of these 38 Rangers in, in, in a pretty tumultuous time in, in, in the GWAT. Uh, I think we did around 100 uh, or so direct action missions wow. 90 on that deployment. I mean, it was fierce. Um, we were taking out high-value targets uh, on a pretty regular basis. And in fact, the, the, um, the uh, particular mission that I sustained that injury on, I, I actually took out a, a high-value target and then wasn't able to continue the rest of that deployment. My guys were um, still in harm's way. I got sent back to the States for surgery. And, um, you know, it's, there's that, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can very easily, it's very easy to fall into, um, uh, this, is, this is messed up and, you know, grab a bottle. I was, I was, again, I was the only guy back at Fort Benning. Everybody was still in harm's way. And I knew to the minute, when they were rolling out the gates, you know, um, I knew when they were going, uh, and you know, it was my job as the medic to protect them. I wasn't there anymore. And, um, I really, all I could do, the doctor told me I was allowed to swim. Um, and that was about it. I had already been running. I mean, you know, Rangers do just run and run and right. run and run way too much, <laughs> way too much. Man. It's the and Ranger it, panties that you guys <laughs> wear, man. They allow you all to do that. You gotta have the thighs for those, man. To pull <laughs> right? <off>. I know. <laughs> Never had that. Never. <laughs> so I started swimming, um, you know, and I looked at this, you know, an injury is an opportunity to get better someplace else, um, and it's it's really about the mentality, right? Of of I can take this and I can look at this as a negative, or I can take this and look at it as how can I how can I grow and develop as a human being, as a person? And I started swimming a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. I had done I had done. Uh, uh, one or two short distance triathlons before I went in the army. Uh, but you know, here was now an opportunity to not focus on all the things I can't do. Right. Here's an opportunity to focus on this one thing that I can do. And I was in the pool every single day, man, uh, swimming and swimming and swimming. And by the time that, uh, everything had healed up, um, you know, I could, I could re- throw some serious, uh, you know, kick turn or flip turns. And, uh, I was putting it on, I was already running and I was like, I- I'm start doing triathlon. Wow. So I turned that injury into, uh, I eventually, um, you know, ended up after I got out going to school, Purdue, and was on their triathlon team, uh, and then went from there, moved to Colorado, because I knew that that's where, the, you know, if you want to race against people who know how to race, you go there, that's where the Olympians are, that's where the guys 
and, and girls who, mm-hmm. who can throw down, they live. They live there in Boulder and uh, Denver, and, and so I moved there, and I wanted to race against the best, and I had, I had that opportunity. I got to uh, an elite status where I was racing against pros. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, I ended up sustaining other injuries. Um, I got taken out on a, um, on a bike ride uh, preparing for one of my key races. I, uh, I got taken out by a car, broke my hip and my collarbone. Oh. And, yeah, it was one of those uh. things where – um, I told myself uh, when I was laying in the hospital bed, as soon as I can get the mobility in my arm to reach the brake lever again, I'm going to be back on my bike. Wow. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, it was less than a month later. Uh, I had a plate still in my collarbone to this day from, from that injury. But four weeks later, I got on my bike and I had four or five friends surrounding me because I couldn't really, I didn't have the mobility in my head yet to turn and look behind me. So they were kind of acting as my eyes and ears from the back. And I rode right directly to the place where I had got taken out by the car um, to, to show, like, dude, I'm uh, fuck this. I'm I'm not going to let this thing beat me. Very cool. Uh, ended, ended up after that uh, going on and and uh, raced a couple of Ironmans. I uh, I took uh, six overall and won my division. Um, and it was just one of those things where, again, you can you can take this injury all the way back uh, to 2006. And it can be this, man, I can't lift weights anymore thing. You can look at it like that, or you can look at it like, man, now I can swim every day. And this is what I'm going to focus on, and this is how I'm going to improve myself as a human. Um, and and uh, that's, you know, that's what I did with it. Uh, but every one of those steps had been you know, led up to from the, the, the smallest little incidences of not quitting you know, mm-hmm. um, from, from a teenager on. It's what I what I hear is is really um, it's it helps people recognize that these grand never quit moments of guests that we bring on that like you're saying it is not all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like woohoo I'm just gonna face it all today it's it, it is this progression. It's it's going and failing, going and actually quitting a little bit, but getting back in it, going and reframing your perception on the task at hand and what your essential motivation is. Yeah, I, the other day, Max and I were doing something, and uh, I skinned my knee, and he was like, hey, Dad, how come you don't cry when you skin your knee? I was like, well, I used to cry when I skinned my knee. But I, I realized after skinning my knee so many times what the pain's going to feel like and that I can get through it. So that's why I've moved past that. That was, you know, never quit moments. Just like you say, start young. And as you go through life, you realize what you can take and what you can take. And those just build up on on every kind of moment. You were, you nailed that, man. I, I never really thought about it like that. But injuries are kind of God's way of saying it's time for you to shift gears and go into a yeah. different direction because you have the capability. And a lot of times, guys like us, man, we get into something, you know, we get into it, right? And, and reaching for that star, you get blinded by it. And the injury in, in some kind of capacity allows you to open up into, and to go into a different direction. And, and yeah, you, you nailed that one. That's <laughs> I, same thing happened to me in Iraq in 06, man. I got hurt halfway through that thing, man. I, I came offline and was kind of doing the punching, punching the keyboard, just anything I could do to, uh, to stay out there. And we had that. I, I was at uh, Shark Base in Ramadi, man. We had that striker ranger battalion right outside of us, man. And we ran with you guys. So, I mean, who do you think saves us? We get in trouble with Marines and the Army. Yeah. 
But it is. It's that, it's that capacity, that never quit mentality. You always tell yourself that you just say, just don't quit. And the biggest guys, even the toughest men, take a knee, man. You can get hit so hard. You just go down and take a couple of breaths, but you're not going down. You just, you've been, you know, you took a knee to rest for a second and, and look at what's in front of you and then push past that. And if the injury is so severe, man, it's time for you to shift and go in a different direction. That was, that's good. I've never heard it explained like that. And, and we learned that. I think from people that we admire or look up to, right? So you had referenced that your superhero is your father. Um, and, you know, he had this long legacy of servitude and service. Can you explain maybe a similar situation like Marcus just described with Axe, that's your dad and how he taught you and your sisters the same concept? Uh, I think there's there's talking and there's doing right, and he he showed us that day in and day out by showing up, by not giving up, by not quitting. Um, you know, he he worked his ass off to support his family, um, and he he was doing something that was helping his community simultaneously. It was action. It was action. It was action. And uh, you know, my dad's he's he's an old school guy, man. Um, he didn't even want to put the IFF uh, sticker on his car, the fireman sticker on, on the back of his truck, huh. because he felt like it was showing off. Really? You know? Wow. You know, and, <laughs> and it's one of the things where the union guys actually kind of got on, like, you know, Bruce, you're part of the union. <laughs> put the union sticker <laughs> on your truck. Oh, it was showing off, you know. But that's, you know, that's, that's that old school mentality of, like, you just do it. Um, and when, when life gets hard, you know, you, you power through it. You, you, you know, you dose, th- you know, through it and you do it for your family, you do it for your community. Um, and it was just, it was action after action after action. My dad's not a man of many words, uh, but he is, he is a guy who is incredibly inspiring and, and, uh, you know, philosophical in his own right, but, uh, in a, in an exceptionally, um, grounded, um, way is there's nothing pretentious about the man. And, uh, um, I think just watching him day in and day out go to work, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I was partially raised in the firehouse. Uh, you know, I'd go and visit him every day and watch the other guys around and, and all the things that they do for the people of their community um, and the way that they, that brotherhood, you know, that, that they look out for one another, that was stitched into me from probably age six up. Um, it was one of the reasons why I left the fire department. I was, I was on, I got hired on at 19 um, and was the youngest member of my department and then ended up uh, after September 11th happened, uh, I'd been on for uh, a little bit and, and, uh, I just, um, you know, it was like, there's a brotherhood, there's a bunch of people who are going to fight for my, uh, my ideal life. Uh, I already have it. Um, that's where I am. I am needed. And I went and I did that. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that my father, he didn't tell me, no, don't do that. But he was definitely, I mean, we were, we were, you know, we we're getting ready to have two different wars going on simultaneously. The last thing that uh, any parent wants is for their kid to, to go and, and put themselves in harm's way. He was very supportive of it. And I think he knows because it's, you know, it's about action. It's not about talking about what you do. It's about doing it. Um, and that, that, is, that is something that um, I don't want to say is fleeting, uh, but there's definitely a generational thing. Uh, where, uh, you know, I think as you mature, uh, uh, as a person, you start to realize that that's really where the value is, uh, in uh, inspiration yeah. is by doing something, not talking about doing it. And that was my dad. It's, it's always been my dad. He's been somebody who does, um, he doesn't talk about doing, he doesn't, that, he's not a show, but that, that's really cool. And, and what, what, what is, 
what is fascinating to me is when you have a person that lives consciously lives in the deed itself, right? And is not going to give these long diatribes about, you know, son, this is what you need to do and where you need to go. It's just like, Hey, watch me. This is how it works. And, and there's a, there's a, I don't need a, a, a perception where there might be a little contradiction because here you are writing prose for a living now. And, and so can you tell us at what point, and, and obviously with the profound influences of Jack Kerouac and the beat generation being this vagabond on the road, so to speak, exploration of life itself, you know, but to, to make, give commentary on the human condition, when did that inspiration come in you? Because it seems a direct contradiction to your old man. Right, right. Well, and he, he'll say too, and it's funny, you know, he, he, my poetry uh, books and stuff. He's like, I don't know where he gets this shit from. <laughs> 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 oh, that's not, awesome. He's not proud of me, uh, but uh, it's yeah, you know, I think there is there's there's always a you know the swing of the pendulum, right? Mm-hmm. In any relationship that we have, that. Um, for as much as, as I admire my father for who he is and how much he's, you know, he's really instilled so much in me, I'm not trying to be my dad. Um, you know, uh, it is, and that's, I'm not saying that in a, in a, um, in any other way that then, you know, it's, it's very important that every person be their, their own self and to be true to their self and to find their own steps in life. Um, and to follow their own, you know, their own path. And, uh, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel like the thing that I have, it was, it was kind of a, almost a, a little bit of an accident, uh, that I started writing, uh, uh, to begin with in the public sense. I'd been writing on my own for quite some time. Um, but it just, there was, <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny story. I was, I was a roommate, uh, my, or my roommate was a, a contributor for uh, software and in the very first months, um, and he had a quota that he had to hit so many articles a month. And he asked me, he was like, hey, would you mind writing an article, you know, just a piece about when you're a medic? Uh, I don't care, you know, whatever. And so I was like, all right. I sat down and I penned out a story about Op Simpson. Uh, we got in a tick with uh, these uh, 10 foreign fighters in a safe house in Iraq. And, and uh, it really was, it was quite a battle. And I, I wrote about it. And um, he put it up under his name. <laughs> I think he got paid 50 bucks for it. <laughs> I never thought funny for it. Uh, but uh, there were so many people that were like, wow, this is, uh, you know, this is a really intriguing story. We've never, you know, this is a perspective that is very valued. I would read a whole bunch of this. And I was like, all right, well, if this is something that people find value in, uh, and it's something that, you know, I found uh, catharsis in, uh, just, uh, you know, writing those things down, getting them out of me. Um, and it's, it's kind of a win-win and I sat down and I, I wrote less we forget, uh, in about two weeks, wow. um, but together. And then, uh, it kind of became this opportunity for me to, um, again, be able to get things out, uh, to be able to travel because it's a, it's a, um, you know, being a writer is something I can do anywhere in the world. Uh, so it just kind of clicked and it, it made sense for my path and it aligned with the things that, um, uh, that I, I hold, uh, uh valuable. And I pursued it, and I pursued it not a little bit, you know. Uh, as Mark said before, guys like us, we, we throw the hammer down on things. We Blame slam baby. it. Yeah. Go after it. And it's not enough, I think, to write, you know, one story. And, like, people are like, oh, yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, I'll show you. <laughs> and, you know, we, we <laughs> throw the accelerator down, and we hold it down, and, we, you know, we keep going. And, uh, you know, I've done five – I've published five books in as many years uh, as a result of that. But it's that never quit, like, just hammer it forward. 
um, get after it. You guys had JT on, you know, I just listened to that. And, and you know, there's another example of a guy who just, you know, throttled down. Uh, interesting connection is um, mm. my second book on assimilation. Uh, JT actually shot the cover for it. Wow. Um, I was at, staying at his house for 10 days in the kind of early um, up, upkick of uh, Article 15. Uh, and, you know, that you were talking about before that creative collaboration yeah. of guys like uh, beat generation, you know, that was going on hardcore in that house in San Antonio, uh, years ago. I actually, um, he, he reached out to me because he, you know, they had this script for this zombie movie range 15 <laughs> draft of it, right. was done. And, um, he, he sent it to me. He's like, Hey man, would you, would you read this and give, give us some notes? And I swear, man, every single page of that, I was laughing out loud. And this was the first draft. I was like, this is golden, man. He's like, you want to come to San Antonio and hang out? We'll, we'll talk shop a little bit. I stayed at his house for 10 days. Wow. I, was finished, I was finishing up on assimilation at that time. Um, and I just got to see that madman in action. Uh, <laughs> and the, the stories that came out of that time, he was just creating, 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 creating. Because, again, he had that lever down. And that's, you know, that's his path. That's his journey. He's a hyper creative, you know, in the vein of that, you know, Maynard James Keenan um, type where it's just – it's not good enough to do this one thing. I'm going to, I'm going to press myself into all of these things. You know, he's talking about piano and that state of flow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you guys talked about, um, you know, getting into that place where nothing else is existing, that you're existing right now in this state writing for quite a long time has felt that way for me. Um, same thing with painting, with surfing, um, rock climbing. These are states of flow that, uh, you know, you get into and cognitively they're doing very positive things for us. Awesome. Um, you know, uh, so, those are the things that I pursue, um, you know, that expand that uh, um, that cognitive ability and and get into that state of flow. Whether again it's surfing or climbing, um, writing, um, uh, painting, um, I'm pursuing of those things because they feel right for me. Uh, and uh, you know, every man has to choose his path, and uh, this is mine. Well, we I think when we're together and because of the nature of our business and what we do and the two wars and for as long as we do it. When we writing up a movie or writing up an op board, I mean, we're going in. The whole thing is to do our job, beat everybody around us, and get it done until it is done. You pull us out, and then you're writing a movie. Or man, we're just problem is when you separate us because our governor and our break is each other, right? Amen. Like, hey, man, let's slow down a little bit, and then you just by ourselves it keeps going and going and going. But it is to that point to where whenever it is, if it's in war and what we're doing now, man, it's that mentality is still the drive. You make a great point there, right? As the separation, right? There's a there's a benefit to the camaraderie that goes deeper than just uh, sharing with one another on that emotional level. And then when we become separate, we're kind of in this void of of looking for that deeper sense of fulfillment. And, and you and Leo, you just used the word just a minute ago called catharsis. Great word. Can, can very you really get to use it? You know, for you and I to use catharsis <laughs> would be like a fucking miracle. But all right, so but you used it in the, probably the <laughs> like most perfect sense Amen. I've ever heard it. Right, used from from a knuckle dragger, which I think you've separated yourself with distinction. By the way, um, but can you describe? the the experience of catharsis that you're going because uh lest we forget there's been a, a a truckload of books that begin with that that initiator lest we forget about all different types of things throughout history 
And then on assimilation, I really love the title. I love the, the content. Can you describe your catharsis and what happens in that process creatively for you as it relates to these experiences? Yeah, I think that the medic never really gets ironed out of us. Um, no. And I think a lot of it comes from, like, I still, um, you know, I see people that are hurting, man. I see our friends come back and, you know, um, you know, whatever you want, whatever number you want to fix to the suicide uh, rates is, you know, kind of relevant. There's a lot of friends, man. I've been to more funerals for friends who have, who have killed themselves than I have uh, friends who died in combat. And I've been to plenty of both. Um, you know, with on assimilation, I really felt like something needed to be said there. And uh, if I had the opportunity to say it and it helped someone, uh, then that's helping me, right? Because yeah. I really think that um, that there's this there's this need in all of us, we ha- you know, this brotherhood that we have that we feel it's palpable within us. Uh, that really, what is that? It's helping the person to your left and right. It's not really about you. Um, and you know, specifically with on assimilation, that was a book where I'm like, I really feel like somebody needs to uh, you know come up and say these things. Um, and it offered me an opportunity to help other people who were, who were suffering, who were struggling. And that benefited me because I was helping again, because I was, I was providing that, uh, kind of mental, uh, medical role. Um, and it still does, man. You know, that's been my most successful book. I feel like just based on the number of people who have come up to me and said this book, really, I, I read it in a time when I was struggling. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be here without it. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, uh, the medic in me, the human in me is, is, you know, I hear that and I go, man, I was useful again, yeah. the way that I was useful in Afghanistan, the way I was useful in Iraq to the, to the people who I care about my, you know, uh, the, you know, these fellow veterans, fellow Rangers, fellow uh, soft guys and, 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 and veterans in general, I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining my usefulness to the team, um, by putting this out. And that is how it is cathartic for me. Uh, is to maintain my usefulness uh, to to the brotherhood. Wow! Well, there's plenty of jobs in our, in our with our trade craft in the in the medicine side, carrying the pistol, the rifle, or whatnot. There's still that, but not as much, and you don't get a utilize. I mean, let's, let's be clear: when we're over there, that's a completely different world for us. I mean, throw, throwing the guns on and going outside and with a good probability that you're going to get into a gunfight is is crazy if you think about it. Now that we're home. But that medicine side, man, oh, you're in a gunfight, you're going to need medicine. Even if you don't, people are going to need that. And it kind of stays with you. And the thing about that is, is because of how we're, we're combat medics. So in, initially, even if you're putting a Band-Aid on the kid, it strikes up every other thing in your head, too. Yeah. When you're sitting there working, you're looking, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's just, yeah. Even here, like, BSI scene is safe. What? what? Don't say that out loud. <laughs> Who's Haji? <laughs> 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 oh that's epic but it you know it keeps it fresh i think if with anything for people when they're transferring out the medic's probably the longest one to do the transition out because we're always doing medicine when we get out especially if we have kids and and we're always going to step up with when something goes down i mean even the other day you know something happened i was like get out there and help that man. you know what i'm talking about yeah. like, oh, all right cool let's go and then you just <laughs> drop right into it it's it's hilarious because it's just in ingrained in our head not only are we shooters man when something goes down then the medic comes up it's not the other way around you're not walking around that med bag just waiting you're you're in it 
And in our world, there is no medicine in a gunfight. It just rounds back down range, suppress the fight, and then self-aid, buddy aid, and then here, you know, here we come. The month, them days of medic, and then we come hauling butt over there. I mean, it's seriously got to be bad for us to do that because we train up in our line of work. Every guy is trained up in that little T triple C. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, I I got a question for you. For for me, and just let me frame it a little bit. For me, I when I I wanted to become a medic because I wanted to experience the duality of of becoming a war a warrior, right? And because I was also an art major and with a minor in poetry at Penn State. I didn't want to lose that sense. And I felt the medicine, there's the art of medicine. There's the compassion. There's the empathy. There's the thing that can keep you grounded in within the human condition that, you know, in, in, in everything I'd ever writ, read or written or read about warfare, there's this very dark place. So I wanted to maintain one foot and that, that general, place of of what makes people great which is caring for one another why did you want to become a medic uh so i i i graduated high school early uh to uh get my emt um and actually i I didn't walk in my high school graduation because i was doing my first trauma center rotations uh um my clinicals essentially to get uh to get my emt basic uh and then was on the fire department there shortly after um, and it was one of the things to me where um, I wasn't entirely sure I wasn't intending on being a career military guy, um, but this was a way that I could not only maintain but increase my skill set so that I could take – if and, and, and I knew very little. There was very little information about uh, the Special Operations Medical Course, the 18 Delta mm-hmm. course at this time. This was you know, 2001, 2002, um, and I was just really – the little, little – bits and pieces that I could get, it kept saying, you know, these guys are the best trauma medics in the world. Yeah. Flat out. Um, and it showed a couple pictures here and there of stuff going on at the schoolhouse, but very vague. And I just, I, I remember thinking like, you know, here's something that I already know how to be an EMT. I've already done, um, you know, so many of these procedures, uh, it, you know, and I've already had blood on my hands and, and I'm, I know that I'm, uh, I might not be great at it yet. I'm, I'm novice to it, but, uh, um, it's something that I enjoy and it's something that I am good at. And here is this skill set that, that I can essentially um, strive to be at, like to, to get to that level. And then I can take that, um, that skill set of being that good of a trauma medic and bring it back to um, bring it back to my community in the fire station and, and as a paramedic. Um, ultimately that did not end up happening. Uh, but uh, that was my, that was my concept with being a medic. In fact, it was a pararescueman, this guy, Bob Vaughn, who was uh, my father, was his RTO in the fire academy. Uh, he was a pararescueman uh, for about 10 years uh, prior to being in the fire department. And I was going to go in as a regular combat medic. Uh, it's like regular. I mean, it's a hell of a yeah. job. Uh, just a regular Army combat medic. And he, he heard that, and he's like, nah, man. <laughs> 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 like, and I think uh, his, his exact, uh, his exact uh, uh, phrase was, uh, you know, there's only one place for a, a swinging dick like you, and that's Rangers. So, you know, um, his, I, actually, um, two of his sons have now uh, uh, finished buds and, and are on the teams. And oh, wow. That, guy, that guy's a warrior through and through, man, 110%. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he really pushed me in that direction of, like, it's cool, you want to be a medic. But you go go over here and, and do it like this. He was very much a mentor to me uh, in that regard. And, um very thankful for that. But, uh, um, yeah, the idea of being able to achieve that level of knowledge and that skill set 
Um, you, you, there's no school anywhere like it, man. The 18 Delta course is intense. You guys know uh, there's so much information that's crammed into you. And to just to be able to get through that, the attrition rate is insane. It's a bunch of people who have already been through schools that have a high attrition rate, you know, uh, selection processes yeah. that have a high attrition rate. And it's, um, it is, it is the tip of the spear of, of uh, tactical combat uh, uh, medicine. And um, I wanted that to be able to bring back to my community and, and to be able to, you know, offer uh, life-saving skill sets uh, to people uh, in my neighborhood. Well, I mean, the green beans, that's their selection. And they, those guys avoid 18 Delta like the play. Everybody at Echo or Bravo. Yeah. So when we're in there, the, the red pin comes out. and <clears throat> I got whipped more, or, or beat more at, at 18 Delta almost than I did at Buzz, man. <laughs> it was tough. It, you're right, though. Those guys who came in with the firefighter background, even the EMTB, right? They, they had that understanding of – How to of, study. Yeah, studying the medical part because what is it? We show up on Friday, class cranks up, and then you got that med terminology test on Monday. You got A&P after the first week, All right, man. Two weeks of shock. I mean, I was in shock just going through that thing. <laughs> and, uh, Leo, where did you do your uh, uh, clinicals? Where, where? – you know, I was in t- Oh, Tampa? yeah, me too, man. You did Tampa? At Tampa, spring break. Yeah. I was, Dude, it was I on. was New York. I was New York. I had, uh, man, I did. I delivered 17 babies. I had five or six chest tubes. I mean, we were always going and blowing. Got up on uh, Life Flight and rolled around with That's them for cool. a while. Oh. oh. I graduated the same, I was there the same time as you. I came out April 01. Well, I wasn't into the, I wasn't into the uh, 18 Delta course until 2004. Oh, okay, check yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was. I think I because I I enlisted and then was in the delayed entry program. Yeah. Um, I think I started basic training like the day that we went into Iraq, which didn't do anything good to like uh, quell my my you know family's concerns about my well being. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that you've you've you you've been on this really amazing journey in life, you've decided, hey, there's so much to life, to experience, to explore, and what you've seen, what are some things that you can share with our listeners to help them kind of begin to navigate their pathway with by utilizing creative ideas to explore what a new potential or a new possibility could be for them beyond the the hardship they're experiencing. Um, I, I've said it uh, for quite a while that I think our most valuable resource is our Rolodex, and I know that's a dated term. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. What's a Rolodex? Rolodex for those people who are a little bit younger uh, is uh, pretty much your contact list and your cellular telephone device. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's the people who we know, right? And and you know we've talked about it a couple times already. It's collaboration. You know if. Um, to get together with people who are, um, you know, who are charging forward in a positive manner. Um, you know, we, we kind of become who we surround ourselves with, uh, to put yourself in positions around people who are doing the positive things that you also want to do and to be inspired by them, but then also inspire them back and, and to contribute to that in those little ways, those little ways will become bigger ways and so on and so forth. And, and beyond that, to, to shift the perspective of instead of this is what happened to me, um, you know, it, this is this is a this is a hurdle that was put in front of me is to, to think about it from the perspective of 
how can I improve uh, from this uh, this state? Um, uh, what can I do uh, to to turn this feasibly this this loss into a win, this injury uh, into a triumph? Uh, and that is that's all about perspective. So those two things um, I think are are really important. Um, I've I've said that you know the adventure doesn't start when the trip does. The adventure starts when something goes wrong. Right? And <laughs> in life, man. Things are constantly, no matter what level you're at, man, they're kicking, they kick the shit out of, life kicks the shit out of me all the time, man. Regularly. Uh, and it's, you know, you can look at it that way. And I do sometimes, man, I'm not perfect about it. Uh, but to look at it and I've, you know, I have an amazing wife and an incredible daughter and I can look at them and, and go, man, I've, I've got this thing here that is so beautiful. And I can look at that, um, as, as this, this positive, or I can focus on the negative um, you know, I can, I can dwell within myself and, and isolate myself, which is very easy for me to do. You know, um, you know, a lot of guys coming from, uh, from where we come from, you know, we recoil in, um, you know, because of injuries that we have and, 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 uh, you know, certain subtle, uh, idiosyncrasies. Um, and you know, it's uncomfortable to put yourself out there in front of, uh, in front of people and to reach out and say, Hey, how can we collaborate on this thing? Or, you know, you're doing this and I'm doing this. How can we, how can we make this better together? It's uncomfortable. Uh, but to press through those discomforts is really where you find, um, you know, the, the triumph and the joy in life. Amen. Well, there are no more written tests once we get out of school. The hard times are our test to make sure we're paying attention during the good times. And we, when we train for the medical part, the moving, the shooting, and, and, and every capacity, it's like, hey, you might get shot, you might trip and fall, you might do everything when we start this. All right, everybody understand that. And then at the end of it, when we come back out of there and if we, we won the op, but guys have been hurt, then they get upset on themselves and think, man, I got hurt. I said, no, no, no. Be like going into a football game and then somebody getting tackled and being upset about it and not giving and not letting that go, right? Like, hey, you knew you was gonna get shot. You knew you was gonna. There's a chance that was gonna happen. And what we're capable of to get? I mean, look, they throw a, a ragtag group of guys like us together, a handful of us, train us up, and then send us over to a country that's not our own. And look what we can do. So yeah. when we're back here, you can't tell me if we come back together what we could be capable of. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why they separate us when we when we get back out. <laughs> but Absolutely, man. Those those hard times, like I said, they're making sure you're paying attention during the good ones. And if you're not, and if you step too far ahead, that's when those major ass whippings come down the pipe. And those guys, most people, whoa. You know, if you skip that step, it's a lot further to fall. Matter of fact, you probably for fall all the way back. Amen. And remember mm. how many times that you've done that. Griff actually said that to me. Uh, he hit me up. Uh, Matt Griffin, the, the CEO of Combat Flip Flops, he hit me up like just over three months ago, man, it was probably 95, 98 days ago, something like that. And, and he wanted to write a book. Um, and, uh, you know, he told me the timeline was, he's like, we need it done in, in 90 days. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a realist. Uh, I'm like that's not even possible, man. Um, and you know, what he said to me was, you know, Hey Leo, do you remember what we used to do for a living? Um, and it's very powerful, right? It's, it's remembering, you know, the hurdles that we've already in you know, the mountains that we've already surmounted, uh, these hurdles that we've overcome over and over and over again. And to remember that, right. To look back and go, man, I've, I won that, uh, you know, I won that battle. You know, I've had MMA fights that I was in where, you know, I've been stacked up and, and, and had the guy trying for a, uh, trying for a triangle and him come down and just smash my face, man, completely explode my nose and I knew if I took another shot like that I, I felt like I was gonna die and you know the blood inside of my eyes like quite yeah. literally enough and it's like it's now or never um and cinching that triangle down even tighter and, and and having that guy submit and 
um, you know, not, not, not dying in that moment, not quitting in that moment because you got tackled or you got hit or you got blown up, um, but not just in that moment, but be able to look back at your entire timeline and look at all of the times that you didn't quit, all the times that when you got knocked down, blown up, uh, you know, shot, stabbed, whatever it is, I didn't give up. I, I redirected and now I am where I am. And to be able to build up on that and then go, okay, the two of us, we can conceptualize, write, edit, uh, format, um, and publish a book in 90 days. And that's what we did, man. We went from scratch uh, and, and, uh, and dropped that thing about a week ago, uh, recorded the entire audio book in two days. And that guy is just, the, he's of that mentality, right? Of like, when we've done all this stuff and we did it together and and we uh, not only survived it, but we thrived through it, and we can continue to do that. Griff is an exceptionally inspiring human being in that regard. He never stops, man. He goes and goes and goes and goes. And he honestly, he pulled me along through that process um, uh, quite a bit as far as uh, inspiration and, and motivation. But uh, that's what I'm talking about with collaborations with other people who we respect, um, who, have, who have been through the fight. Hey, man, let's, let's do this thing together, whatever your thing is. Um, you know, getting together with some other people and, and being inspired by them on a micro sense and then using that inspiration to inspire other people on a macro sense. Iron sharpens iron, brother. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. 100%. That's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. Yeah, everybody in our life, I'd say this is a stone. Um, they'll either sharpen you, they'll dull you, and our ladies, they polish us out. So if you, And the reason <laughs> we're as sharp as we are is because we're walking around diamond stones all the time. The best thing about being a medic, too, man, is you know what you can take before you die or you pass out. And then, obviously, the MMA helps that as well, lets you know what you're absolutely physically capable of. Yeah, you know, you know it's 43 years of training right here. I didn't stop a long time ago and be like, hey, everything's everything. Nope. Get up in the morning, you start from just like, just like you did every other morning. And then just make sure you always got that basic. And at the end of the day, hopefully you'll reach the, the level of what you, you know, you laid down with. And if you didn't, that means you skipped some steps. I don't know if that made any sense. No, but it, kinda, it made great uh, good sense. Good point, Marcus. It, it made We're great sense. Man. We're all climbing the mountain. Uh, and sometimes you slip a little bit, but you have to realize, like, I've come this far up already and I'm not going to stop. And for a lot of there's no, there doesn't have to even have to be a peak, you know, it's yeah. just climbing, climbing and climbing. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of validity in that, right? The, the idea of that little thing. I remember the, uh, the very first patient that I ever treated as a ranger medic, um, I ran up on this patient, BSI, he was safe, one patient, I can handle, you know? <laughs> It was a it was a, a broken ankle from a fast roping injury. We were doing um, we were just doing familiarization. We were at Bagram, uh, and I was so in in tune with this in this three hundred uh, uh, checklist <laughs> trauma assessment. I roll up on this guy, and I've got every you know I've got the tourniquets and the trauma dressings and everything in my aid bag. I didn't have anything to really. <laughs> yeah, like I had some splints and stuff, but I didn't. I remember I didn't have a needle that was small enough to give an IM, uh, you know, tortal shot. Uh-huh. Right? Pain, I, all I had was an 18 gauge uh, needle. <laughs> Hook them up. Like, oh man, this is bad. This is bad. like I'm not. Pre- I'm prepared for the absolute worst case scenario here. And sometimes, you know, the battles in life aren't the worst case scenario. They're those little tiny things that can bleed you out uh, um, very suddenly, hmm. and you're not noticing them. Um, and this, you know, I ended up jabbing this 18 gauge needle into his belt to give him this. And man, it was not a good mm-hmm. first day. Ranger private. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> worse than what was awesome. going on. Yeah. Even with an 18 gauge or a 12 gauge, you're like, hey, bro, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like doing a biopsy on his arm. Just <laughs> 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 with the flesh. 
Yeah, that's what was, I, my was, favorite I, line was. Operator feels no pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> operator feels no pain. Operator feels no pain. <laughs> <laughs> the, the three P's of special operations medicine, right? Pain is the patient's problem. <laughs> hey, you're the one that screwed up, buddy. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up everything. What What do you have going on right now in your life? Where are you focused? Where are you looking for those small bleeders in life to keep you fulfilled? to keep you engaged and to keep you learning for your next great combat? Uh, family and, and creating, um, I think are really what's speaking to me right now. Um, I'm in rest mode. Uh, and I really, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, guys from our background who have that full throttle, full throttle, accelerate uh, mentality. It's, you know, it's who we are is, um, is something that gets left out oftentimes is the recharge phase, right? right. And what, what Griff and I just did uh, with uh, Steps Ascending, Rise of the Unarmed Forces to, again, to conceptualize, to write, to edit, to format, to design, and publish a book in under three months, that was a lot of a drain. I mean, that's a lot of time. I woke up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning just thinking about this book and, and you know, not going to bed till one in the morning. It just, it was a lot of, um, you look at like, you know, after like a ranger school, you're very depleted and you need to take the time to recover afterwards. Uh, and I think that's one of the pieces that is often left out with our guys is just taking that little bit of time after you've gone through a lot to sit back, you know, enjoy your family, enjoy the time that you have here, appreciate the little things, recharge the batteries, uh, and then full tilt. Uh, I, I, um, that's the phase that I'm in right now. I, you know, I think between now and the end of the year, I'm not going to do much of anything except for hang out with my daughter and, um, and just enjoy, you know, a, a slow cup of coffee. Uh, next year I've got, uh, some plans, uh, some new books and, and things, but for right now I'm just in recharge mode and just appreciating being alive and, uh, being a dad. Amen. Uh, bro, hey, same thing over here, man. November 1st, call it beast mode. And because if I if I don't take time to do that, I'll be outside. So when the holidays roll around, man, grow the beard out, stop working out, hardcore, just inside with the family till first January seventh, man, and then at rest, kick it up, and hit the year hard. Awesome. That's why you know it's the love of the opposites, the yin and yang, right? We ran that dark side the whole time. Now it's time to come over to the other side and and pay it back. It's pretty uh, pretty amazing. I, I, I spent quite a bit of time in my early twenties in a destruction mode, right? And, uh, and and I really am uh, feeling called to create, and I think that creates an equilibrium, yeah, right? Balance, yeah. uh, energetically, uh, that that yin yang that you're talking about, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I feel very fulfilled again to to be creating at this point. It creates a balance between some of that destruction. It's great, yeah. right? There, I mean, you can feel it. Like, man, yeah. normally when we talk about this. We norm back in the day, we'd read these dossiers going in, and it was going to destroy. Now you read everything about everybody, learn everything about everybody to build them up. And yep. it's just serving and it's, it's awesome. continuing the service on a different level. Well, Leo, thank you so much. We've taken enough time away. Oh, the pipe is back in. Uh, closing thoughts and comments have been made. Uh, the the rest and relaxation is is approaching. The arms are back. The tilting. <laughs> <laughs> we can't thank you enough, fine sir. And uh, may the God of prose stay in your heart and your family and your life fulfill you, brother. Thank you. Keep doing what you guys are doing. It's, it's beautiful. Amen. God bless you, brother. Marcus, 
Bro, and when you get a guy like that to come on the show and who has, you know, really made that next step forward, right? To go from the warrior to the poet. Man, this is is something that is is we've been seeing this throughout history. Sure. Well, and you can definitely tell he was paying attention during his life and during all that that we had to go through. I guess that's the great part about being a medic too, man, is your perspective because you're always looking out for that part of it. People's the, people's well-being, right? And it gave him a unique perspective in, in what he does now. I think because of the he, – he not only has to go through everything he has to go through, but he has to go through everything that his guys have to go through when they get hurt and that emotional toil and ride. And, and we don't have that – not 18 Delta. We're not head shrinkers. That part doesn't come with it. But, you know, that whole team guy mentality does. I think that – that's a great attribute to have as docs is that, that get up, you're fine, we need you, get on the line, not, hey, take this, go lay down and rest. And, and that's what I think was mm. so exceptional about, about Leo is that he's, he's taken that core Hippocratic oath and now is extending it into the psyche, right? By, <laughs> you know, you, you look at this, this long litany of books he's written that, you know, Wizard had talked about in the beginning, at least we, lest we forget, on assimilation, uh, he's got his first train out of Denver, uh, uh, his poetry book. I mean, he's really a prolific author. And then the latest book, obviously, with, with Griff from Combat Flip-Flops. Man, it, it's now he's able to treat through his, own, through his own process, he's able to treat others. I think that's a good way of saying that, too, because it, it, when we go through something as individuals, we think about it in our head a lot. And they're like, hey, you need to think about this. and get the way. When you're thinking about it, you're just thinking about it. I think if you write it down and then read it as if you're reading somebody else's story and see how it impacts you. And if it, if it fires you, I'd be like, well, man, maybe I should be fired up, not feel bad about myself. Because you're reading it and you, in your head, it's, it can skip steps and go on. And then you can put one scenario with the other. But when you write it down, you have to put it down. And then when you read it back, is it the truth? Yeah, right. Well, and no, that's, it's the process of writing. writing it that down. really helps you organize your thoughts. And then reviewing those in an organized fashion. Sure. A, I mean, if you're all over the place, clarity. man, yeah, write it, you know, write it down and yeah. see what it looks like. Well, I think journaling has been a, a, a massive component of, of, all, of all warfare throughout history. You look at, you know, Homer and the Iliad. You look at the, you know, the, the Greek, Greek folk mythology that is relative to the battles they fought. Uh, World War II, there was that brilliant uh, cartoonist that was following the guys around, uh, Vietnam, there's been tons of poem, poets. What's the the thing they draw on the the little the man? Kilroy. Kilroy. Yeah, Kilroy. Yeah, yeah. Stands the test of time, man. Well, and and I think what we're seeing now is like the the consortium of creativity that's evolving in our own unique way, with our own way. The way you know Matt and JT and those guys are delivering content. The way. Uh, you know, Jack Mandeville's doing with his comedy the way we're doing it with the yeah, show. And then with technology the way it is, I mean, you literally be your own writer, director, and, and put it out there the way it goes down. Don't let anybody else tell your story. You tell it. <laughs> for sure. Well, listen, if you're, if you're joining us for the first time, man, welcome to the team. You What an exceptional place to start with us. Uh, we are, we're, we can't, we're so happy to have you. Um, and if you're a repeat offender, if you're back for more, then welcome back, man. Holy cow. Thank you for getting us here. Yeah, right? 
Right. <laughs> I mean, we did it. Good job, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it's it's so amazing to me just the 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 responses we get uh, from people all across the world. If you want to know more about the podcast, then just visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. That's tnqpodcast.com, where you can also find all of our shows. You can find why we do this, right? Um, to for to get our swag, our Team Never Quit podcast swag, uh, just go to the website, search for us. Man, we've got hats. We're getting hats now. We've got new t-shirt, a new t-shirt out there. Brother, we have got the gear. Dogs and cats living together. Crazy. Madness. madness. <laughs> Dude, I just watched that again, man. Ghostbusters is so awesome. Christmas bro. movie too, right? Yeah. Is it a Christmas movie? It is in this house. <laughs> One of these episodes, we got to get the full list of Christmas movies. All right. Um, listen, another, I think the most valuable aspect of, of our website at tnqpodcast.com is our listener stories, man. We've amassed this giant catalog of incredible stories that have created this ultimate team of never quitters. Man, and, and all you got to do is just go to our site, read these things. We have pages and pages of these brilliant, amazing stories. Uh, and if you, if, you, if you choose to, which we would love to have you do, write in your greatest never quit story or somebody you know, your family member, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle. It doesn't matter. But just share these great never quit stories. And if they're good, we're going to read one on, on, on air like we're about ready to do here. And if they're great, Marcus, Coming on. you're going to come on the show. All right. Let's read one right now, shall we? This is from Jake. Hello, brothers. I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now and been contemplating sharing my story. I read the stories of others on this site, and I see my life from a different perspective. I decided to share my story. No holds barred. If my story gets one person to seek help when they need it most, then it was more than worth sharing. I was the first to be born by my parents. I word it that way because I had a stillborn older brother and twin sister. Almost two years later, my parents had a daughter, my sister. She was born with a form of anemia that prevented her body from producing red blood cells and a hole in her cleft palate. Doctors only gave her a few years to live, at most. Fast forward to me. About five or six years old, my father never really spent a lot of time with me at that young age due to his alcohol and drug problems. My parents separated and my father got the help he needed. I live with my mother and sister, still alive and well until a day that I will never forget in July of 1988. Me, my mother, my sister, my mother's best friend, and her boss took a ride on a houseboat. My mom's boss, the boat owner, had a headache, so we anchored off the main channel on the river and rested for a bit. Out of nowhere, my mom's best friend on top of the boat, working on her tan, happened to look up and see a barge coming straight for us. 
The barge hit us full force and then hit us again. The last thing I remember before blacking out was my mom grabbing me and my sister saying, holy shit. The next thing I remember is floating in the debris and hearing my sister crying. We were stuck in the same air pocket. I did not know how long I was out or if anyone even knew where we were. I made a split second decision to go find help. I passed my sister my life jacket and dove into the water. I came up right next to the boat and there were people everywhere. I guided the emergency divers to where I came out. But to this day, they have no idea how I got, how I got out of the boat. Then eventually, my sister got out of the capsized boat, but my mother had passed away. A few years later, my father dated and eventually married an emotionally and psychologically abusive woman, woman who treated me and my sister terribly. While all this was going on, my sister had a stroke and was in the hospital for about four months. By the time I hit 18, I knew I had to go. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life, so I joined the Army, as I knew it would help me in the long run. I went active duty and became a mechanic, a 63 Bravo. What I realized at the time, and I know now, that I had pretty bad PTSD and survivor's guilt from the boat accident. I had carried on as best as I could and held all that in. After 4.5 years in the Army, I decided to separate. Less than a year after I got home, my father's wife had assaulted him multiple times and tried to attack my sister. Then my sister passed away. This was all in 2003. And my old unit was heading to Iraq. At one point, I told my closest friend, from my unit that I was going to rejoin and request to go back to my old unit before to be there for them. But he made me promise not to. He most likely saved my life. That friend ultimately suffers from PTSD as well. And I don't even want to think about what he had to deal with. About a year later, after my dad divorces the woman that scared me so much, I visited for him. I visited him for his birthday. When we got back to his place after dinner, two high school age kids were knocking on his front door. They wanted to make sure someone was home to watch the bonfire in the backyard. My dad's ex-wife was attempting suicide by closing herself in the woodshed behind my dad's house. Quick action from me and my dad saved her life, thankfully. The shock hit me after she had taken away the shock hit me after she was taken away in the ambulance. I held all these things in for years, but eventually I found the love of my life. We dated for a short while and I quickly promised and we got, I quickly proposed and we got married. I slowly opened her up. I slowly opened up to her about some of my issues. I still held a lot in though. Towards the end of last year, we had a, built a distance between each other and she said she wanted to get divorced. I finally hit an all-time low. After years of holding things in and feeling guilty for still walking this earth, I was ready to give up. I thought about the pistol I had in the safe. 
I decided that I could swing home during a lunch break, go to the backyard so I wouldn't ruin the inside of the house, and put a single round through my temple. I thought about that and I realized I would merely be coming a statistic. 22. That number screamed in my head. It didn't matter that I never saw combat in the Middle East. I was a veteran and I was going to end it. Through my tears, I told my soon-to-be ex-wife that I needed help. I went to the local hospital and finally got the help I needed for decades. While the divorce is almost final, I'm okay with that. I'm moving on with my life and actually truly happy for the first time in years. Yes, there's still a bit of pain and dark days dealing with my past, but I'm going to therapy and trying to work through each issue that has built up over three decades of my life. I found your podcast after hearing David I found your podcast after hearing David Goggins on a Facebook post. I subscribed to your show. I subscri- I subscribed and your show helps me look forward with a strength I haven't felt in years. Sorry this message is so long, but needed to share everything. Again, if this story helps one person get the help they need, then it was worth it. Well, Jake, brother, I promise you it was worth it. Your story is is one that is going to help hundreds, if not thousands. We appreciate your courage for staying in the fight and for getting the help you needed. And we hope you continue to contribute to all the people that come across you in your life. Man, this has been one hell of a show, brother. I just want to thank God. I want to thank Christ. I want to thank my girlfriend and our girls. I want to thank uh, Jake for writing in. I want to thank Leo. Man, holy cow. Thank you for what you're doing out there, for for crafting the pros of our generation and for creating uh, something truly positive out of a, a, a 17 years of madness. Uh, thank you, gents, for doing the show with me and uh thank you to all the listeners i I love you guys and uh man awesome Uh, yeah everybody thank y'all for coming back and getting us to this point i mean it's one team one fight and we just keep doing it through one guest after the other and one ride in after the other jake man i good on you for writing in and and seeing through that and seeing it for what it is i think that's important too i mean Hmm. you're a warrior and you you, you know that when we go through those battles and when we come back a lot of times you, we we tend to forget that part but somebody had to go through it might as well be uh if you love the people around you I always look at them like hey man better me there than anybody else right and like you just take it we'll just take it together kind of deal and that's why I'm bringing everybody back together like this and um and the capacity to the leo changed everything i i think that's perfect that whole warrior path he's walking the it has a Carry, nice balance. Yeah, it does, right? Carrying the uh, the steel in the first part and then the pen in the second part kind of opens everything up when you write it down and you look at it in a certain capacity. Good job, brother. Thank you for coming on. And Jake, keep pushing forward, brother. Um, it did. It helped more people than you, you could possibly know. So thank you all again for bringing us up. Thank you to the Holy Family upstairs for giving us this place and this purpose and our path. Man, Wizard, good job. Rudd, I uh, man, I can't thank you guys enough. I always am my favorite part. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank y'all.
I'm out. Out. is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.